Well, would you turn with us this evening to 1 Corinthians, the uh, 12th chapter. For some weeks now, we've been on the subject of hungry for the Holy Spirit, being hungry for the Holy Spirit. And the further we get into it, the more I see it is the Lord and uh, his wisdom and some things he's going to be doing with us even over the next weeks and months. Uh, We are not just to learn about these things and then change subjects to another series. This is supposed to change our life. We're supposed to be doers of the word and not hearers only. How can we be doers of a teaching on the gifts of the spirit? What would be the result? That we have more of the gifts and manifestations of the spirit. So we're not just having a teaching where that we can come and uh, take notes and pause and go, hmm, that's interesting. And then go back to our life after the service. No, this is supposed to change us. Us putting these scriptures, these words into practice are supposed to change us. Change us into what? Change us into the book of Acts. Are you with me? The book of Acts and beyond. Things like the book of Acts, but more and even greater. Because like we said, in the Lord, everything's supposed to advance. Supposed to increase, even from generation to generation. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 31. He said, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Covet earnestly the best gifts. That's strong language, isn't it? Covet earnestly. Skip down to the 14th chapter, verse 1, 14, 1. Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Desire spiritual gifts, he said. Skip down to verse uh, 39. 39. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy one of the manifestations of the Spirit and forbid not to speak with tongues. Did the Lord tell us to desire, to desire and covet earnestly these things? Well, if he tells us to do that, what should we do? Then we should be a coveting these things. Are we? Hmm? Well, we're getting there. But, uh, I mean, we've taught on these things before in this church. But I think we'd have to admit our passion and desire for the gifts of the Spirit has left a lot to be desired. And we're stronger than lots. A lot of folk don't even believe in them. Much less desire them. They teach that they've all passed away. Well, then they're certainly not desiring them. Well, if the Lord says, covet this, earnestly desire this, doesn't he know what's important? Doesn't he know what we ought to desire and want the most in life right now? Well, he could have told us any number of other things to covet and earnestly desire, but this is what he told us. Covet 
earnestly the best gifts. Said out loud by faith, whether you feel like it or not, said out loud, I desire desire the gifts of the Spirit. Spirit. I covet covet earnestly the gifts of the Spirit. Spirit. I'm hungry hungry for more more of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Now, is it so? That there's a connection between having a greater hunger for these things and experiencing more of them. We've seen it already. And why would he tell us to desire something that it wasn't his will to give us? He must be longing to manifest more. Right in our midst. But having an issue of many who don't care. Churches. And groups and families and ministers and Christians that just don't care. Not interested. Not hungry. Some say, well, why don't he's God? Why don't he just do it anyway? That's not how he works. I said, that's not how he works. Well, he's God if it's not his will that any should be lost. And he's all powerful. Why don't he just see to it that they're saved? That's not who he is. He's not going to make any of us receive him. He's not going to force any of us to uh, desire his precious things and yield to his Holy Spirit. He responds to those who hunger and thirst after him. What did he say? If you draw near unto me, I'll draw. Well, what if you don't care? Huh? Those that hunger and thirst after his right things. Well, what about those who don't care? That he's not going to push these precious things off on people who are too preoccupied with the world and don't care about them. The Holy Spirit manifests himself more where he is respected and desired more. Can you say amen? So we can initiate more of the manifestations of the Spirit Just by desiring them more? Is that true? Well, then what would we be waiting on? (laughs) I think we ought to get a fire under ourselves. Hungering and desiring the gifts of the Spirit. Let's read about them again. You know, when you're hungry for something, you keep wanting to read about it. You keep wanting to look at the pictures. When you really want something, you look at that brochure 45 times. Huh? You saved that website page. So you can go back and look at it real quick. You've memorized the numbers and specs on it. Well, there's something we should desire more than cars and jewelry and houses and clothes and stuff. And it's this. We are to be hungry, hungry for the gifts of the Spirit. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 1, 12, 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. And it's not surprising that shouldn't be, I guess, to us that most of the church is the most ignorant about what the Lord said he didn't want us to be ignorant of. 
You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations or the margin says ministries but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operation. But it's the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Who can expect manifestations of the Spirit in their life? Who? Every one of us? Is it true? Every one of us can and should Hunger and desire and expect manifestations. I mean, it wouldn't be fair to write to the church at Corinth and to all of us and say, covet earnestly the best gifts, but only a few of you is going to get used. (laughs) That doesn't work. He's not going to tell us to covet something we can't have. Now, keep reading. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man, there it is again, every man, Severally or individually as he will. We just got through reading these nine manifestations of the Spirit. Do we desire them? This is what he told us to covet earnestly. Do we? Do we long for these? More than any material thing we know about. We want these. We're hungry for these. Look at it. Read them again. Say it out loud. I'm hungry. For the word of wisdom. I want the word of wisdom. I want the word of knowledge. I want faith. And the gifts of healing. And the working of miracles. And prophecy. And discerning of spirits. Divers kinds of tongues. Interpretation of tongues. I'm hungry for these. These are precious in my eyes. I desire them greatly. 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 Now, let's read Acts. The whole book. Let's read it and let's look for word of wisdom in the book of Acts. Let's look. For gifts of healings in the book of Acts. Let's look for working the miracles, prophecy, tongues and interpret. Look for it. How many know that the book of Acts is the beginning of the same church we're a part of? We got the same Jesus they had and have. Right? They still exist. They're just not on the earth anymore. We got the same gospel, same God. We preached exactly the same gospel they preached in the book of Acts. Same name above all names. 
Same Holy Spirit. Same Great Commission. Same church. Then the pages of our lives and our ministries ought to read like this. And how many would acknowledge these pages in the book of Acts are filled with the supernatural? The supernatural. Miracles of healing. Deliverance. Now you've got whole seminaries and universities that have watered all this down and said, well, that was the first apostles and God did some special things in those days. But now that we've got the full canon of scripture, all that's passed away and we don't need that anymore. And why would they say it? Because they don't have it anymore. They don't have it anymore, and instead of longing for it, they just make excuses why we don't have it and try to tell us it's okay not to have it. But no, we're supposed to have the very same manifestations in our life. We're supposed to have the move of the Spirit. People are supposed to be getting revelations. People are supposed to be having tongues and interpretation of tongues. There's supposed to be prophecies coming forth. There's supposed to be manifestations of faith and healing and miracles. We've tasted of it a little bit. We've had some here and some there just a little. But how many believe God wants a full flow? A full flow now here in this time in our churches. In our lives. Where does it start? Huh? It starts. We've already begun. It starts with you and me getting hungry. Getting hungry. I've heard people say, well, before every move of God, there was prayer. And that's true. But let me tell you something that was before prayer. Hunger. Why did the people start praying? What was getting them up out of bed in the middle of the night and praying for two and three hours? What was getting them praying in the afternoon instead of watching four hours of TV? What was doing it? Hmm? You get hungrier for this than you are for the world. Now, we don't like to admit it and think about it, but the truth is, huge numbers of Christians just are hungrier for the things of the world than they are the things of God. Many, many, many Christians rather go to a movie than a church service. They'd just rather do it. Many, many, many Christians, they'd rather eat than go to a service. That's why they get upset if they think the service is going a little long and infringing on their eating time. (laughs) Or pushing it back, making them wait. Would rather watch TV, rather watch something dumb, even ungodly, than hear something about the Word. Now, we don't like to admit it, but that's where millions are. And we need to begin to cut things off. I said cut things off. Why? Because they take away your appetite. Let's say somebody is preparing a wonderful meal. Good food, homegrown vegetables. I mean uh, meat that they raised and prepared. Family recipes, cooking all day. And before you get there, you eat five bags of potato chips. (laughs) And three soda pops. 
Well, is that going to affect your appetite for their good food that they've prepared for you? How many understand if you fill up on the wrong thing, it's going to affect your appetite for the right thing? Oh, friend, there's more revelation here than you might think. You see, sometimes we, people don't think, well, you know, that dumb TV show, I'm, that's not spiritual. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Maybe not the Spirit of God, but it's spiritual, and you're eating. You're taking things into your eyes. You're taking things into your ears. Why are people so satiated? Why are they so uninterested? In the things of God. Uninterested to the point of not even coming to services. Why? Because their belly is full of junk. Did you hear me? Now they're half nauseated about it. Because it's bad stuff. But they're full. That's why fasting can be beneficial. You know fasting's mentioned in the word, right? But why is fasting mentioned in the scriptures? And why is it beneficial? You missing meals doesn't move God. You not eating something or, you know, disciplining yourself to skip something or denying yourself of something does not change God, does not move God. It does something to you. Now, I've fasted before. I've fasted at length before. And I'll tell you what I've learned about it. Not feeding this flesh for a while makes you more aware of other appetites. Hmm? I said it makes you aware when you have a, you know, so many times, this happens all the time, people's spirit is starving and hungry, but it's so weak and they hadn't been taught about spiritual things, they try to satisfy it with natural things. I mean, this is the core cause Of so many that are alcoholics and drug addicts. And so many people that just go and spend until it's unreasonable. And people that, you know, jump in bed with everybody that they can find to have sex with. This is what's going on. They don't even want to do some of these things. They're not enjoying it. They're miserable. They got every credit card maxed out and they go and do some more. Don't even need it. What's going on? They were full 30 minutes ago, and they went and got three more plates. And they're already overweight, and they're miserable, but they're just shoveling food down their throat. What's going on? What's going on? They're trying to satisfy a spiritual desire with natural stuff. And it can never do it. And that's where fasting can be of benefit Denying whether it's a partial fast. You know, we need to just practice on a regular basis saying no to our flesh. You don't have to go 40 days without eating. Just, you know, you ate your meal, you're satisfied, and then there's something else there and you want it, but you just say, no, I'm not going to have that. 
No, I'm not going to eat those last four bites. No. No, I'm not going to. I want to watch another hour of that, but no. No. Somebody say no. No. Your flesh needs to hear this on a regular basis. No. No. And it's not necessarily just, you know, record-breaking things, but it's you disciplining yourself. You want to keep yourself a little hungry in the natural so that your spiritual hunger is not obscured. Because spiritual hunger is a motivator. I said it's a motivator. It'll get you to church when you don't feel like it. Come on, spiritual hunger will get you on your knees to praying. When your body would rather sleep. Spiritual hunger will put your nose in the Bible when you'd rather just plop down and watch TV. What are we talking about? We're not talking about you doing stuff so that somebody will give you a blue ribbon for being a spiritual person and a good Christian. We're talking about the reality that we can have a life that reads like the book of Acts. That's what we're talking about. And the question is, are we going to settle... For just a physical, mental life like most of the world? Or are we going to say, I am not going to live without the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I am not going to live that way. I'm not just going to live an intellectual life. I'm not just going to live a physical life. I'm not going to live an up-down roller coaster emotional life. I am going to live a spiritual life. I'm a spirit. My father's the father of spirits. The Holy Spirit is the spirit. I can have a spiritual life. Say, I can have a spiritual life. I can have a spiritual life. Glory to God. Glory to God. Say it out loud. I will live the spirit-filled life. I will live. The Spirit-led life. Hallelujah. Now two things we've already learned about that we can do right now to begin changes and increase in this area. One, we desire these things. We need to remind ourselves of it. Think about it. I'm teaching about it. We're going to stay on it for some time as the Lord would lead us. But don't wait till Friday to think about it. Hmm? If you need to, put something up on your mirror, something on your car dash, whatever it is. Gifts of the Spirit. And just look at the Word, Word of Wisdom, and go, hmm. (laughs) Word, I want me some Word of Wisdom. Oh, Word of Wisdom. Some of us say, well, I don't even know what this is. If you knew what it was, you'd be going, oh, oh, I want me some Word of Wisdom. Word of knowledge. Oh, I want some word of knowledge. Oh, I want some discerning of spirits. Oh, I want some special faith. I want some working of miracles. I desire. Now, when you say this, let's desire it corporately. Not just I'm claiming all nine for myself. Because he's already said, for to one is given. And to another is given. So we're not all going to have the same manifestations, and yet all of us can expect some manifestation. But what we should do, see, he's not writing to John Smith at the church at Corinth. He's writing to the whole church 
at Corinth. And we can read it like he's talking to the whole church in Branson here. Faith Life Church. And he's telling all of us, desire these things. Be hungry for these things. So if it's manifest in your sister or brother, you shout just as much as if it's manifest in you. Because the main thing is, it's happening. It's happening. And then God can manifest things in your life as it pleases Him. And all of us can have of these things. Now, the second one, as the first one, we desire the gifts of the Spirit. The second one is the doorway into this Spirit-filled life is speaking with tongues. We saw that in Acts 2. That's how it began in the first days of the church. It's that way today. Brother Hagin said this, Kenneth Hagin, my father in the faith. He said, the more I pray and worship God in tongues, the more manifestations of the other gifts of the Spirit I have. The less I speak in tongues, the less of the other manifestations I have. Speaking with tongues is the door into the rest of the gifts of the Spirit, of the spiritual gifts. It's the door. So here's two things we can do. What can we do? Desire these things, not just on Friday nights. Every day, every night. And what else? Speak in other tongues. Why? Because it helps you in yielding to the Spirit. And yielding to the Spirit in one area will help you to yield in other areas. It's the same Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. And it's no coincidence that uh, Paul, who had all these manifestations in his life, said to the one of the tongue-talkingest bunches there were, that church at Corinth, he said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. So you don't want to fight speaking in tongues. And you don't want to believe what somebody else said. Well, that's not for everybody. Not everybody can or is supposed to speak in tongues. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. We've taught on this already. We said these groups fought, these manifestations rather, fall into three groups of three. Three of these are speaking manifestations. Three of these are power manifestations. And three of these are revelation manifestations. And we talked about the uh, speaking manifestations, tongues, different kind of tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. And now we've been talking about the revelation manifestations. These are discerning of spirits, word of knowledge, and word of wisdom. Now, he said, covet earnestly the best gifts. Other translations say greatest, greatest gifts. And as we said before, in the revelation gifts, the word of wisdom would be the greatest. Uh, If you've never read after him, Brother Howard Carter was given a lot of revelation on this back many, many years ago. Uh, Actually, while he was in prison, God uh, visited him and gave him revelation. And in fact, Brother Lester Summerall, he's taught much on this subject, but he attributes a lot of the revelation he got from the Lord through Howard Carter. Brother Kenneth Hagin, same thing. He quotes Brother Howard Carter. A lot of people that have been influenced uh, by this revelation, it came through him. And there's books that you can get on this. But uh, something he said about the word of wisdom that I wrote down, I want to read to you. This is Howard Carter. Some things he said about the word of wisdom. He said there, well, first of all, he defined the word of wisdom as a revelation of the mind 
and purpose of God. Now see, word of knowledge is a revelation of something that God knows. Of course, he knows everything. And he, something that has happened or is happening, and that's too small to say it that way, but it has to do with knowledge of the past and the present, any knowledge, all knowledge. But wisdom has to do with the future. You see that in the book of Proverbs. You see that in gospel remarks. And a word of wisdom has to do with revelation concerning the future. And involved in that, how many understand God sees the end from the beginning? And he has a plan. He has the plan. And his purposes and his will. Is there anything more valuable in life than to know God's will for your life, his plan for tomorrow for you, his path and way for you? Can you see why this is called the greatest gift? Well, listen to what he said about this. This is a quote from Brother Howard Carter from many years ago. He said, there is nothing greater than the revelation of the mind and purpose of God. The word of wisdom transports one to the very council chamber of the Almighty and affords a participation, however small, in the government of the universe. You see why I'm reading this? Since the Lord God will do nothing, but he reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets, the smallest revelation of his purpose is more important than the greatest deliberations ever made in the councils of men. And such enlightenment becomes for us wisdom of the first magnitude. This, therefore, is truly the word of God's wisdom, the first and greatest of the spiritual gifts, the most marvelous of all the manifestations of the Spirit of God. Let us covet earnestly the best gifts. Glory to God. That's so rich, you probably want me to read some of it again, don't you? Don't just only hear the words, get the spirit of it. What are we talking about? Covet earnestly what? Well, in each one of these three groups, there's one that could be called the greatest of those. For instance, in the utterance manifestations of divers kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, prophecy would be the greatest. The Bible says so. Of the power manifestations, gifts of healings, working of miracles, faith, faith would be the greatest. Of the revelation Discerning of spirits, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is the greatest. And if you wanted to say of all the nine, word of wisdom would be the greatest of all nine. Not to diminish the others, but just that this is so great. What is it? Let me read it again. He said the word of wisdom transports one to the very council chamber of the Almighty. Council chamber. Of the Almighty. And affords a participation. He puts in parenthesis. However infinitesimal. (laughs) But affords a participation. In the government of the universe. 
I know that sounds huge, but all you got to do is look at the Bible. Has God included people in the Bible in his counsel? Did he allow them to plead the case, to pray, to participate in what was going to happen? Now, a lot of people will tell us, oh, no, God is sovereign and God is all-powerful and he's going to do what he's going to do without men. doesn't make a difference what we do or don't do. It's not true. Don't you believe it? The Bible says something different. He involves us. All you got to remember is he's a father. What do good fathers want to do with their kids? Include them. We're being groomed for leadership in the kingdom of God. We're being trained to rule and reign with him throughout eternity. Aren't we? And so... He wants to include us in what he's doing. Well, how could we be a part? We don't have a clue what's going on. (laughs) Or what he wants to do. Or where he wants us to go. He said, the word of wisdom transports one to the very council chamber of the Almighty. Affords a participation in the government of the universe. He said, the smallest revelation of God's purpose is more important than the greatest deliberations ever made in the councils of men. How many understand you can go and ask everybody and their brother and first and second cousin and neighbor what they think you ought to do? And you can read people's books and you can deliberate it and you can talk about all the pros and all the cons and all the positives and all the negatives and you can uh, roll the dice, you can flip coins, but one word of wisdom (laughs) oh, from the Father eclipses and renders unnecessary. All of this. And it's sad, so sad, that you got children of God, born again men and women of God, calling psychic hotlines. Having their palms read. Trying to get somebody to look into the crystal ball for them. Killing roosters. <laughs> having readings of all different kinds. Friend, the Bible forbids us as believers, to participate in such a thing. And if we had any understanding of who's inside us, we wouldn't even consider it. Because we got the counselor, the counselor inside of us. And didn't the Bible say, when he, the comforter, is come, he's going to teach you all things. He's going to guide you into all the truth. He's going to bring to your remembrance everything I've said to you. And he will show you things to come. Is that the ministry of the Holy Spirit for every believer? Then you should be getting some revelation about God's will for your future. He's not going to tell us everything. We're going to have to walk by faith. But we need enough to know whether to go left or right. Right? We need enough to know whether to go north or south. Don't we? And we don't need to flip coins or ask for what they think. We need a word from him about that. 
Can you say amen? amen? Go with me to the book of Acts, Acts the ninth chapter. Acts chapter 9. Now why would we be in Acts again? This is an account of the beginning days of the church we're a part of. The same church we're a part of. We're not supposed to read this book and ooh and eye at it like it's something unattainable and something that happened once in history. It's supposed to read like our life. Our life is supposed to be like this book. We're supposed to have the same kind of things happening. Look at word of wisdom in Paul's life. Paul is uh, trying to destroy the church. Actually, he was called Saul at that point. Trying to destroy the church. Doing his best to destroy the church of the Lord Jesus. And on the road to Damascus, he met somebody. Didn't he? And he saw the Lord. Now, this is discerning of spirits. He saw and he heard into a realm we normally don't operate that much in. We're physical beings in the physical realm, but how many know there's a spiritual realm? Occupying, maybe not the right word, but the same space. Let me say it like this. How many know the Holy Spirit? Your spirit's in your body, but he's also there. How can he do that? Well, spiritual things are different from natural. And the Bible tells us there are angels here right now. Now, usually folks don't see them. That doesn't mean they're not there. But through discerning the spirits, you could see them. People have seen the similitude of the Lord. Hmm? The master. People have seen into the realm of the spirit. And we'll be talking about that as the Lord leads us. But that's how this thing began. He's walking down the road. He's going to hurt some more Christians. And he sees a bright light. And he hears words. And this is from the spirit realm. And it's the Lord. And he said, why are you persecuting me? Man, he's killing Christians. He's destroying churches. And the head of the church meets him and says, why are you doing this to me? And he said, who are you? And he fell down and got born again right there in the middle of the road. Well, he's blind for a while. He can't see. And he's fasting and praying. And God spoke to a man named Ananias in verse 12. Verse 10, 11, and 12. He told him to go and inquire for Saul, verse 11, because he's praying. He's seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Ananias said, I've heard of many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. Here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all them that call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go your way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. Let's just stop right there. That's a revelation, isn't it, of something God knew that Ananias did not have a clue of. In fact, he asked the Lord again about it, didn't he? He's Lord, basically, Lord, are you sure? I've heard about this guy. Are we talking about two different Saul's? This is a word of knowledge. Saul is. See, you hear the word is? 
is a chosen vessel to me. Word of knowledge. Something Ananias could not have known any other way. But what it goes on to say, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Now what is this? This is word of wisdom. This speaks to the future and it speaks to God's plan and purpose for Paul's life. Word of wisdom. Verse 16, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Also, word of wisdom, revelation of the future. Now, let's just stop right here. I know charismatics and word of faith people don't like to loiter around verses like this. Because it's got that S word in there. (laughs) Suffer. Huh? Word and faith people, charismatic people, they're like, yeah, go on to next verse. Yeah, yeah, we know that's in there. Now make a shout about the victory. No, the Lord's impressed upon me this very day the connection between the gifts of the Spirit and this Word. I see it clearer than I've seen it before. Do we want the gifts of the Spirit? And we're sure we do. Oh, yes. We should remind ourselves of what accompanied them In the lives of these people in the book of Acts. Peter and John went up to the gate called beautiful. Gift of special faith. Rose up in them. They spoke to this man and pulled him up. And he is instantly healed and whole and strong. This is uh, special faith and this is working the miracles. These are gifts of the spirit. These are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And for this wonderful thing, they were arrested and beat. Are y'all with me now? Can you take this or not? Uh, <laughs> signs and wonders occurred in chapter 5, even from Peter's shadow. I mean, he'd just get close enough that the shadow would come across people. And lame people would jump up and run off. And blind people could see. How many understand this is a sign and a wonder? These are gifts of healings. These are working of miracles. Do we want them? Do we want them today? What happened after that? Arrested. Beaten. Persecuted. I said, yeah, but that was back then. <laughs> that was back then, and you know things have changed. Not as much as you'd like to think. Why don't we see more of that same kind of persecution? Because we are not seeing the level of manifestations of the Spirit. They go together. Let me give you some more. I can see you're enjoying it so much. Stephen! The next chapter, God used Stephen to work signs and wonders, shook the whole city. And so the next chapter, he's stoned. 
Hmm? No shouting on that. We just read about Saul. How many know it's a discerning of spirits? He's seeing into the realm of the spirit. He saw the similitude of the Lord. He saw the glory of the Lord. He heard the voice of the Lord. He got saved. And he comes out. He got filled with the spirit when Ananias laid hands on him. And he comes out preaching to Jesus that last week he was persecuting. And so for this, he gets in trouble. And they seek to kill him. And they had to let him over the wall in a basket. Somebody say persecution. persecution. Suffering. Suffering. Power. Power. Say it like this. Power. Power. And persecution. persecution. Yeah. I didn't figure we'd shout too much about this. Peter. Falls into a trance. Has a vision on the rooftop. He sees the will of God to include not just the Jews, but all the Gentiles into the plan of God. He sees the plan of God supernaturally. He said, there's men down there. I want you to go with them. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, visions, trances. He goes, he preaches. He hardly gets a paragraph out of his mouth. The Holy Ghost falls, fills them all, and saves them. Huh? And so when he gets home, his denomination is fit to be tied with him. And they call him on the carpet. And I mean, they have trouble about this for years after that. About the Gentiles and the Jews. Do you have to keep the law? Do you not have to keep the law? I mean, problems, issues. The lame man at Lystra. Paul's preaching like a house of fire. He says, you got faith to be healed, don't you? Get up, brother. Get up. And he jumps up. He's never walked. And a miracle. And so the next chapter, they stone Paul. Stone him. Now, I know you don't want to hear this. But it's the Bible. It's not what somebody's version of the book of Acts. It's the book of Acts. But... They thought he was dead and they quit throwing rocks. You know, they wouldn't have quit throwing him if they thought he was still alive. They meant to kill him. And after a little bit, he gets up. (laughs) Glory to God. (laughs) And he came back and preached to him and said, You know, we got to enter in through a lot of tribulation. What are we talking about? The word of wisdom God told him. I'm going to show him what things he must suffer for my name's sake. But it wasn't being broke. It wasn't being sick. Come on. It wasn't mental oppression. What was it? Persecution for the word of God and the power of God. Now we've talked about the gospel. But it wasn't just the preaching of the gospel that they had a problem with so much. It was when God confirmed his word with signs and wonders. That's what they could not handle. And they wanted to kill him. It's not enough for us to just have preaching and teaching. We've got to have the confirmation of the word in the manifestations of the gifts of the spirit. And when these are turned up and cranked up, you and I are going to be shouting and they're going to have to peel us off the walls. But there's a whole lot of other folk that are not going to like it. Not going to like it. And they're warning their children to stay away from us. 
Because we have supernatural things happening in our services and in our midst. And to people who are completely carnal and fleshy, the supernatural is scary. Strange. Weird. They've never seen it. They've never had it. So they don't believe in it. And there's some that will feel it's their job to fight it. Paul and Silas, you know, they were preaching. And this young damsel came saying, these men are servants of the Most High God that show us the way of salvation. And after several days, he looked at her and discerned that there was a spirit in that girl. And he cast it out. These are miracles. Discerning the spirits. Special faith. And so, naturally, the next chapter... They arrested them, and they beat them, and they put them in stocks. Hmm. But God shook the jail, right? All the chains fell off. More miracles. More miracles. They lived in miracles, didn't they? And it cost them. They were persecuted. They were hounded. They were harassed. They were arrested. Sounds like what they did with Jesus. And why did they do that with Jesus? It wasn't just because he stood up and preached and spoke words. It was the power that backed up those words. It was the miracles. It was the signs and wonders that they couldn't deny that they couldn't stand. And this is the will of God for us today. And they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But that's okay. That's what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians. Turn there. 2 Corinthians 12. Are we believing for manifestations of power? Are we believing for the supernatural? Not just the supernatural, but the supernatural power of God. We're believing for it. Will everybody be thrilled about it? No. All of us will be, but... But no, not everybody. All of your family. Everybody that knows you. All of your co-workers. Everybody that you might know. No. No. They may think you've gone off the deep end. Hmm? So-and-so saw what? They heard what? They did what? <laughs> to the natural mind, doesn't make sense. The Bible says the natural mind is enmity against God. But there's a spiritual life that can be lived. Not a life of weirdness, but the reality of God, who is spirit. Paul said this about his call, his ministry. In Acts 26, don't turn there, Acts 26, 18, he said he was sent to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And he went on to say, I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. To turn them from the power of Satan to what? The implication is from the power of Satan to the power of God. And here it's confirmed in 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. He said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of Power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but what? Your faith is not supposed to be in how smart your preachers are. 
Come on now. Your faith is not supposed to be in how smart you are and how many scriptures you can quote and how much you think you know. But if it's real, there's power that backs up these words. There's manifestations of the Spirit. We're not just talking about theoretical Christianity. We're talking about living, spiritual, supernatural, miraculous Christianity. And we got to get hungry to the point where we refuse to be satisfied with anything less. Let's get hungry to the point where we are not willing to live a mental, physical life only. We desire the gifts of the Spirit. We desire the... He said that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And what he was saying to them, God has sent me to proclaim, to get people out of darkness into light, and to turn them from the power of Satan to the power of God. Well, they need to see the power of God. Thanks be unto God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you see 2 Corinthians? The 12th chapter, I had you going over there. This helps explain something that people have stumbled over. Things that, you know, confused preachers have used to rob people of their faith and all other kind of things. He talks about in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul's talking by the Spirit, about visions and revelations he had. Well, all of these, if it's a vision, if it's revelation, it have to do with these three things. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, you know, discerning of spirits. And he had revela- he had manifestations of these. And he talked about even being caught up to the third heaven. And he said in verse 7, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now people hear the word flesh. And just go off on a tangent and completely ignore everything that came before this and after it. Thorn in the flesh is a figurative expression. He is not literally physically talking about his flesh. We use the same kind of phrase today. So and so is a pain in the neck. Which is a very unkind thing to say. But do you literally mean that so-and-so is sticking out of your neck? Don't take my word for it now. Get in your concordance. Do a study. God used the expression talking about if they left the Canaanites, the ungodly ones in the land, he gave them the promised land back in the Old Testament. He said there will be thorns in your sides. He's not talking about literal barbs and thorns. It's a figure of speech. It's an expression. And he said, because of the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. What was the thorn in the flesh? You hear, it's sad. You hear people say, well, I think it was ophthalmia, a rare oriental eye disease. Why don't you read the rest of the verse? It says, it was the messenger of Satan sent to buffet him, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power, somebody say power, power power of Christ may rest upon me. What's he talking about? Power and persecutions. The more revelation he had, the more manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit, the more miracles they had. What else did he have? 
Man, the devil was stirring up people. I mean, people paid their own way to follow him to the next town to cause him trouble, to try to kill him. What was going on? The enemy was following him around and was trying to stop him. Why? Because when people see the reality of the power of God and how good he is to heal and deliver, they'll leave him by the millions. And so he feels like he's got to stop this. He's got, this guy ain't just going around preaching. He's got gifts of the Spirit in manifestation. They got power. People see this thing is real. And so people were getting saved by the thousands, weren't they? It's there on record. So what's the devil doing? He is trying to stop it. He is trying to stop it by raising up persecution against the men and women that were being used in these gifts of the Spirit. And so Paul's begging the Lord to make it quit. (laughs) We just want to have glory and power meetings and no persecution. Lord, could you fix this for us? Please. (laughs) And he's one of the ones that got revelation that God has given us authority. And told us to resist the devil and he'd flee from us. And how many understand it's a perfect example. They had this miracle. They had this discerning of spirits. And this little damsel delivered from this foul thing that was, you know, possessing her. And here they are beaten. Here they are in the stocks, in the dank, you know, uh, dungeon. And yet, that's a picture of weakness. Whipped, beat, slumped over. For doing what? Obeying God. But even in his infirmity and weakness, God shook that place by his power. And they had another miracle story to tell when they got back to their home church. (laughs) Oh, do you see the picture? Will there be persecution? Yes, there will. Will we have to deal with some stuff? The more power that we have manifest? Yes, but... Even in our weakness, we can glory in God. There's going to be power. What did he say? I'll gladly therefore glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Stand on your feet, everybody. Said out loud, glory to God. Glory to God. Get glory to yourself in my life. Get glory to yourself. In manifesting your power. Get glory to yourself. In our services. In our families. At our jobs. Every day. Every night. Get glory. To yourself. Pray in the spirit some right now. Lift up your voice in another tongue. Oh, sumangela pananalo, evlamando oko, 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 onashia oko, onakoshniane oko, mandi venile asopre, mandi anile asopre, ene sopre, ene so. Pray delisca, donongio, domingue, e pere, e sile, endujno, ontila sanado janabari. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. 
Praise you, Corifate. Praise you, Corifate. Praise you, Corifate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Tell me what two things you can do right now to initiate increase in your life. Two things you can do tonight, tomorrow, the next day. Number one, desire these things. Don't wait till next Friday to think about discerning the spirits and word of wisdom and word of knowledge. Just close your eyes and go, hmm. I desire them. Oh, I desire these things. I long for the fullness of these things. Oh, glory to God. What's it worth? What's it worth? A man that's never walked to walk and run. What's it worth? Somebody that's been emotionally crippled for the last 15 years, completely free and empowered. To go on and do the will of God. What, what, what are these kind of things? Somebody that struggled and bumped along from pillar to post the last 20 years. To hear from God and get his plan for their life. And go do it. And not wallow around and mess around again. What's these things worth? Can't put a price on That's why we ought to desire them above gold and silver and money. And anything that's ever been made. Say it again. Lord. We hunger for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we desire your gifts, your manifestations of your power, your wisdom, your knowledge, your goodness. Thank you for giving them to us. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.